Andrew from the future here. Just dropping a quick note that since recording this episode, Don't Panic Games and Mana Project Studio announced an upcoming official Cowboy Bebop tabletop RPG. We here at Bebop Tabletop are looking forward to experiencing their adaptation and to seeing how our design compares. Look out for their Kickstarter campaign in 2022 and our discussion in a future episode. Three, two, one. This is Bebop Tabletop, the podcast that's turning each episode of Cowboy Bebop into a tabletop RPG. I'm Michael Janoff. I'm Lee Jo John. I'm Andrew Wu. And together, we're remixing the characters, music, and themes into a game you can play. Let's jam. Hello, and welcome to the first session of Bebop Tabletop, Asteroid Blues. I'm Andrew Wu, a uh, role-playing gamer, a Twitch streamer, somebody that really just wants a, a new tabletop experience all the time. Uh, joining me today are Michael and Lee Joe. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Yeah, I'm hi Michael. I've been uh, playing tabletop role-playing games for about 15 years now. Um, started all the way back and. D&D 3.5e, and I've been running games, running different systems, and homebrewing rules and worlds uh, fairly consistently since then. Uh, and I'm Lujo. Not quite the same pedigree, but <laughs> I started tabletop role-playing only, honestly, a few years ago. You know, it's definitely become something that's quite a substantial portion of my life, and I'm currently my my general group's forever DM. I always am on the lookout for more tabletop games, so let's make another one. I guess that's true, yeah. So so why are we here today? We're, we're here uh, mostly because we're all fans of tabletop gaming. Both, uh, both of you have dm games for me uh i guess not for me specifically but i have played games that you have dm'd specifically for you yes for specifically for me i love it thank you and i think i i've dm'd a total of like one and a half games uh, as a one shot but both of you were involved in those so that's uh kind I got of the half one you got the half my, yeah michael's in the half one lejo got a full one but it took like <laughs> like eight hours or something <laughs> um, <laughs> So why we're here today is because we, you know, we were talking about Cowboy Bebop. We've been talking about anime a little bit here and there. And the new Cowboy Bebop show is coming out on Netflix, I think, in November. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but uh, soon. And just thinking about this show that I loved when I first saw it in like, I don't know, 2002, right? Uh, 20 years ago at this point. I don't remember too much about it except for it being cool. Right. And little bits and details of a sci-fi world, uh, little bits and pieces of this film noir character. like. And I was thinking, like, oh, that would be a perfect tabletop game. Uh, thankfully, I think you guys agree. And uh, that's why we're here, to try to uh, build a system out that lets people play as their own kind of bebop crew, their own kind of bounty hunter, or possibly some other character in this universe. Today, uh, we're going to talk about Asteroid Blues, session one of Cowboy Bebop. So I guess I'll start it off with uh, episode summary. We're introduced to our bounty hunting duo, Jet Black and Spike Spiegel. Down on their luck with no money for beef, the pair travel on the Bebop to the asteroid Tijuana looking for Asimov, a criminal worth 2.5 million wulongs. Along the way, we're going to discover that this world, uh, this universe that they live in, is our solar system. I think at some point Spike even mentioned that he was born on Mars and that space travel has become commoditized, has become easy. Right? Traveling from Jupiter to Mars to Earth is maybe a couple hours journey. Right? It's no longer 
Yeah, right now it's months. Uh, what else do we learn about this universe? Uh, money is still an issue. These guys are not rich by any means. Uh, there is a lawlessness to the universe, right? Where there's no sense of. Uh, there are police, right? I, I, I think they're called the ISSP, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, system police, inner system, yeah. Inter system police. Yeah. police. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and uh, that still, though, like they can't handle, they can't patrol everything. So they'd rely on a system of bounty hunting of cowboys. Right? This was kind of the first time I'd seen like a fusion of the Wild West and sci fi. Right? This is, I think, uh, like almost a decade before Firefly came out. Yeah, there have been a few since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Firefly, Expanse, uh, just name oh, the Expanse, yeah. The, the space western is a pretty well received genre, a mix of genres, I would say. Basically, you know, the you would expect that there a certain amount of lawlessness when uh, planets are so far apart from each other that you can't necessarily have the same uh, rules and systems, you know, for everyone. You know, it's part of the fantasy of being out there, and you know, not so shackled down to society, right? Yeah, new frontiers. Exactly. Right. I, I think the there was a season of the Expanse that was entirely just about that. Just about hey, you know, when when civilization has established itself, sure, now you can have laws again. But until that point, you know, the law is whoever has the most power. Right. This is kind of in between that. Right. It's not so bleak. Uh, there is a a sense of civilization. Right. Like nobody. I, I, again, so one of, one of the things, too, about us is, like, none of us have watched this show in, I don't know, 10 years, probably, at this point. Approximately, uh, yeah. In a while. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, our, our, our plan here is to also uh, watch an episode kind of just the week before we, we record an episode, uh, before we talk about it, and then kind of watch along as we move. The other part of it is that, you know, as we go through it, uh, we hope to develop a game system episode by episode, week by week, uh, and we expect it to evolve, hopefully by the end of 26 episodes and a movie and maybe a Netflix series in there, uh, we'll have a complete version of a tabletop system that you can pop out and play. Uh, anybody have a, uh, anything that like absolutely stands out to you about this episode, something we must talk about? I think before we talk about the episode, we can talk even a little bit about the intro. Uh, you know, oh sure. The intro thing. Oh, that's sure. going to be in each each end each individual episode mapping out like, hey, this is the show. This was what it's about. Mm. I came up I came up with a few themes just from watching this, and it I think it informs the, the episode too. There's a uh, there there's five five things here. There's violence. Mm. There's music. Yep. There's drugs. There's spaceships, <laughs> and there's the crew. <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah. So, so those five things, yeah. I, as far as I can remember, every single episode is those five things. I think without exception. Right? You could first first episode gets them all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you could also make the argument that the lack of money is uh, also a primary theme in most of these episodes. Well, one of the um, when I had this idea several months ago, uh, the feeling i think i told this to you lee joe uh the feeling that i was aiming for most is i want my players to feel hungry like at any Ooh. point in time i want them to feel like hey if i don't do this desperate play i don't get to eat tomorrow right chase like, that beef 
Yeah, I got to get that beef. <laughs> Bell peppers and beef, right? Uh, the idea to, I think so. So in that first scene with, with Spike and I, I call the bell peppers and beef in my notes. So uh, in that first scene, uh, they talk about, hey, didn't we just capture a bounty? How, where is our money? Right? This idea that, oh, you know, Jed is explained to Spike, like, well, you trashed the shop. You wrecked a police cruiser. You hurt somebody somewhere, right? Mm. And that just wiped out every dollar that we earned from this bounty. Like, we are back to zero. Uh, I love that as a mechanic, as an idea that, hey, as your players are, you know, making desperate plays, uh, running gambits of some kind, right? Like, oh, yeah, they, they tackled this guy across the table, but it also, like, uh, broke somebody's car. Right, so that breaking of somebody's car now costs them a thousand wulongs. Right, so at the end of the bounty, whatever is left over is subtracted from that amount, right? Whatever damage that they've caused. And uh, that's not, and that's also, you know, keeping in mind you need to have ship maintenance, fuel consumption, food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I food. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it's funny because in Dean in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, money after a while is like a non-issue. You've made enough money, and you know consequences don't matter. Sure, you may have you know destroyed half the town, but you technically saved them, so they're grateful. That happens a lot in D anD D, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a there's a. It's interesting to to bring up the the property damage too because the the other thing that happens uh, a little bit in D&D in D&D too I think a lot of times depends on your depends on who's running the game um the, there's often I think the concept of failing forward you know Spike Spiegel gets the guy but he causes a lot of property damage you know maybe you know if we're talking about a D&D or if we're talking about a role playing game system maybe that's a failure um maybe mm-hmm. failure failure means you do the thing, but at incredible, uh, uh, you know, suffering or damage or, you know, some other uh, negative resource, you know, of which we can you know, go on and list out. Right. Yeah. You know, the try, trying to, I think generally it's, I, I think, fun to keep moving forward and not to have like a, you know, a locked door problem. You know, try to mm-hmm. go through the door. You don't. Right, it's, it's roll, not, it's roll not that again, fun, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, but you know, you know, taking that example, your door opens, it's very loud, everyone knows you're there. Um, you know, right. Yeah. Um, you roll over the car. Oops, you damaged it. Right. Oh, that's a that's a neat idea. Like just as a, like you will always accomplish what you're intending to do, but it has consequences. Right. Like that. That's a, that's a cool idea. That is, I, I think. So, you know, we were looking at other systems, things that kind of, uh, before we decided to turn this into a podcast and we were just looking for a way to play a game like this, uh, we were looking at Blades in the Dark a little bit, right? Or Scum and Villainy specifically, right? That, that, that There's a Blades modification. Uh, and I was also looking at uh, the Cortex system, which is an old, uh, uh, essentially the, the Firefly, uh, official Firefly role-playing game was based on this Cortex system. And one of the things I think both of them have is kind of this idea that whatever the players kind of want to do happens or it is made easy to happen, but it can come with a price or can come with some consequence. Uh, I know in Blades, the way they do it, or in Scum and Villainy, the way they did it was by having like a flashback system, uh, a way to say, uh, and I didn't read too much into this, so I'm kind of paraphrasing. 
but uh, a way to say like, hey, I want to do this thing. Uh, and so I'll pull out X tool that I have in my pocket, right? And then they can flash back to before the mission when they said, oh, this is how I acquired that thing, right? And it costs them some sort of point or some sort of meta currency, right? That, that lets them pull that out. Uh, the Cortex system has something similar where there is a currency called like plot points or plot tokens. And what happens is that uh, you earn plot tokens by like failing or particularly good role play or choosing to have a more interesting encounter, right? That gives you a plot token. And then you can spend those plot tokens later to say, hey, I need a med kit right now. So I'm going to say, hey, burn this token. I get to use this med kit and now I can save that guy's life, right? Because that is a more interesting story than saying, well, you search through some cabinets, you know, roll for, roll, roll for perception, search through a bunch of cabinets. If you roll higher than a 15, you get a med kit, right? Like that's uh, the, the D&D way of things, right? Yeah. And also, you know, I think one of the biggest things is uh, adversity is not necessarily a bad thing. It is not the you're you're not doing things the quickest possible way, the most efficient way. But sometimes adversity brings the most interesting parts of the game, whether it's, you know, making a deal with the devil or making a compromise. Maybe you uh, maybe you don't fill up your ship to full and that makes a problem or, you know, there are mm-hmm. there there are, you know, multiple ways to make things complicated. And yes, you know, you have to kind of give people reasons not to play it the most optimal way and and Mm -hmm. and in in this world the simplest thing is that everything is freaking expensive and unless you want to be you know a constant risk of death uh you're you're gonna have to scrounge around for money a little bit yeah uh the and this was something i thought of but i I don't know if this is what we would want to do in this kind of game uh but the idea of like the job board right so uh, this is not introduced in this episode, but I think in the next episode, they introduce Judy and Punch uh, and Big Shot. Mm. So uh, there is a solar system-wide broadcast of the bounties that are available, right? The things, people that are being hunted and how much they cost. And this idea that there is a job board, some, like, you know, this universe has a job board. And that job board is just full of dangerous criminals with various rewards and various different kind of, like, you know, like, oh, this is a this is a, a small fry. Uh, in this episode, uh, Spike uh, says a couple times, TJ is for small fries. Like, nobody, mm. nobody goes to Tijuana. Uh, mm. I will note also that Tijuana is an asteroid. I love that, that it's not Tijuana, Mexico. It's <laughs> Tijuana, an asteroid somewhere <laughs> in a dome, right? Yep. Um, yeah, but the, the the as far as the job board go, they they do introduce in this in this episode that you know basically the the ticket pull for that job board they 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 know who they're coming after they they have the job posting that they pulled off the board and the information that uh, can point to them right or enough information yeah. to at least have be a lead right not not that much really not that much uh, where where he's at guy's uh, name reward where yep. he's at roughly who he's ID, been hanging which, out with. Right, Roughly, yeah. what's his criminal record? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did pick up too that they had they had some very specific uh, biometrics like voice print, retina, and DNA really? fingerprint. <laughs> yeah, they, they list they list that in there. Um, That's and, funny because yeah, in, I mean, in the next one too, they that that comes into play where your yeah. your guy keeps uh, getting plastic surgery with his money, <laughs> right, and keeps changing his look. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we're talking about uh, I, earlier, we had talked about, you know, what is you know what are we kind of going to get out of this episode and mm -hmm. what's the mechanic going to be and you know this is kind of the first part of uh, mm -hmm. of that mechanic it's you know what what is the structure of uh, of, of a session of a game session uh, and uh depending on how you i think depending on how you run your um run your games as a long form short form campaign mm -hmm. or as a one shot um I mean, th th this first episode of Cowboy Bebop is essentially a one-shot. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we start with the, you know, he here's what you're doing. Um, yep. And through the course of the episode, it's resolved. Um, there isn't kind of an overarching theme or story yet. Yep. Um, you know, we, we, have the, we have the start. We have the briefing. Here's what you're going after. Here are your hints. Here's right. a location. Go out Here are there. The complications. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. a location you can get some information uh, with this, you know, interesting NPC. Here is. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah. It. I. It, when it comes down to it, this episode is probably the quintessential quest, right? The the job. It's pretty. It's about as straightforward as you can get, all things considered. Outside of you know, just straight walking up to somebody and and you know, saying halt, but. You are under arrest. You are under <laughs> arrest. You know, as an introductory quest, or honestly, you know, sometimes not all quests have to be mm. multi-layered and have multiple twists. Sometimes they can mm -hmm. just be a bad guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true too. Like uh, in in this case, so the the show itself is aiming for that noir, right? Is aiming for that kind of brutal and Asimov especially uh, Spike later on but like Asimov especially in this episode is that brooding like oh he's a bad guy uh, that that seems to have like it's like oh he's fallen in too deep into his own scheme right and then uh, Katarina who's with him right is also kind of stuck in this life now and just like like there you know uh, I've noticed there were at least two or three scenes that are just focused on the two of them right uh as a as you know as a narrative device you know focusing on the villains and not seeing your main characters and it's interesting too in a show where you don't know who exactly are the main characters yet right <laughs> uh you know we we get a couple of scenes where we're just focusing on these two these two people we're never going to see again right and that's fascinating to me like like it it they only put those in there to color the villains as somewhat sympathetic right as somewhat as somebody that it, 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 at the very least, it fleshes them out, right? It gives them a motivation that's beyond, oh, they're just people we're just trying to capture and turn in for money, right? Um, I think one of the one of the challenges in, you know, role-playing game that tends to be, there's different variations on this, but tends to be, you know, one <clears throat> player the, the, <clears throat> uh, holding all the cards and, you know, ho hoping that they're... Uh, proficient enough to explain all the backstory and show show don't tell but sometimes have to tell mm -hmm. because you know we have limited amounts of time you know i, I think that's a that's a challenge how, how do you introduce that that concept of introducing having a villain's scene how, how do you do that when mm -hmm. the focus of an rpg really doesn't lend, lend to that very much you know yeah, it's an interesting it, it, question. It's about player player agency, right? And the the problem yeah. is like, well, how do I make my I mean, without you know short of the the monologue, right? Short of the like, oh, you've stumbled upon my secret lair, and oh, but I'm doing this to save my daughter's life, right? It's like it's like uh, 
kind of ham-handed when you're doing it while we're all ready to fight you. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, come on, I got my piss hand on the pistol. Like, let's yeah. go. <laughs> I just got. I just leveled up, and I got new powers that I want to try. Come on! <laughs> no, I need to finish this to level up. Come on! <laughs> no, I mean again, there are with most tabletop RPGs. The unfortunately, for better or worse, the the uh, onus is on the game master. If you want to, mm. you know, make your villain sympathetic, you've got to make them sympathetic by, you know, any mean possible. Like, perhaps in this situation, if our, if your player characters, jo- you know, enter the bar, like Jet does after the, uh, the confrontation, you know, perhaps mm. they would investigate those, <laughs> those goofy guys playing cards, right? The three, uh, the three workers. Yep. And you would, you know, in that situation, perhaps the workers would explain, well, uh, you know, he came in with his pregnant wife or something or other. Like you'd, you'd obviously mm-hmm. have to kind of milk it that way. Or in, I, I honestly, in, um, in the show, they do it the, you know, in a very similar way. Spike comes out of the bathroom. He looks at, you know, Asimov, who's clearly mm-hmm. suffering and clearly like going through withdrawal. And it honestly, it's, you know, you can, you can give, a sense of pity, or I mean, I'm not give a sense of pity, but like, you know, you can make your character sympathetic by saying, hey, you know, your villain is in front of you, he's not aggressive, he's currently, you know, dry heaving into a sink right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and yes, it is also, it also requires your players to take that lead as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, the the term murder hobo is a re- it's a, it's there for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I can't imagine a scenario where I, ca- I can't imagine that exact scenario playing out in a, on a table, right? Not not exactly that way. If you are the players, you know, you you your player is at this place because uh, they they talk to the Native American uh, shaman, right? <laughs> Who told them go to this place, uh, and then they see a person, and they uh, uh, so it's interesting in the show. Uh, it is not explicitly clear that Spike recognizes this guy at that moment, right? Uh, but you know, so clearly, like Spike knows this guy is his bounty. Uh, I, I can't imagine the players being like, "Yeah, this is your guy," and them saying, "Well, let's just sit and watch. Let's just wait." <laughs> like I just, I just don't see that happening. Like the players will almost always immediately just like, "Well, I'm gonna try to, to like gag him real quick. <laughs> Can I just grapple him real fast?" <laughs> Here, here's an i mean an interesting way you go about doing it um is you 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 could if if there's a structured um if we assume there's some kind of structured um uh mission or narrative in a in let's just say you know in a one shot or in a scenario um there there could be you know some way that there there is a um, encounter with the ba- the bad guy, you know, or the uh, mm-hmm. you know the protagonist or your your bounty, and again with the you know the the, the trade offs that we talked about before, it could be in a location that would be extremely expensive to act against, mm. um, like uh, like oh you know like perhaps you know you know as a as a as a meta game perspective you know that you will meet the um uh, the bounty at some point but it will be in a very public location 
And if you try to act against it, you know, without provocation, there will be, you know, y- you may lose rewards. Um, mm. uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I think there, there, there may even be scenarios where, uh, you know, d- 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 depending on the buildup, you know, a player character may feel that's worthwhile. I mean, even de- yeah, like, I, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, Legion, go ahead. Oh, uh, just saying. Um... When it comes down to it, the simplest problem is always people, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. like there are bystanders. <laughs> I think about the round two mm-hmm. at the the little saloon, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's an entertaining, fun fight scene for us. But there's the car playing guys again, and all those random thugs in a car. Like uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't. I mean, it's a it was a real uh, less than optimal. Uh, set of actions by Spike, but I mean, also yep. it's real cool. They didn't make yeah, any yeah. wulongs from that. They they made zero. Yeah, uh, I I think also though they didn't have to pay for any damage on this one. Now, I don't think they are. I mean, they're potentially, but like I don't think they would have been blamed for any of the things that had happened. Uh, the I think by my count, and th- I'm I'm just doing this off of rough memory right now. Uh, uh, the couple Asimov and Katarina steal a vehicle, right? That that vehicle that they tried to escape and they stole from somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the all, uh, I don't think that our crew would be responsible for that. They would blame it on those two, uh, and that vehicle is destroyed, right? Yes. Uh, they uh, they they are under attack by those uh, syndicate members at some point, right? A whole bunch of them drive up in a couple cars and start shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a criminal syndicate. I think that's their fault, right? That's not going to be. <laughs> It's not going to get blamed on our bounty hunters. Uh, anything and else? even if it is, I imagine they can very easily uh, turn that around. Like, oh, it wasn't us. It was the junkie crime men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the criminals. They did it. Uh, I will say uh, uh, Jet, uh, the hammerhead, comes in at some point and knocks over some cars. It, like, helps Spike escape at one point. Uh, you know, it didn't look that damaged, but you know, you're gonna have to fix that paint or those dents. You're gonna buff those dents out of the hammerhead at some point, right? That that cost the crew something, but they didn't have any. They made no money here. <laughs> I mean, may, maybe maybe we're leading towards a mechanic as we're talking about it, and maybe uh, there's always a roll for property damage. <laughs> you know, kind of facetiously talking, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like oh that. Like, oh, you need to uh, extract yourselves from the situation by uh, by flipping over some cars with your fancy uh, <laughs> fancy spaceship. Like, all right, yeah, that works. Roll for property damage. <laughs> or, I, know, I like the idea. Well, I, I was going to say that, you know, you can also kind of finesse your way out of these things. Like, like uh, in my head, the way I picture, because, you know, um, something I've been trying to figure out how to do as well is... You know, Spike is incredibly graceful, right? Like his, like every motion is like, oh, it's like a smooth, like his arms are here and now they're there. And they're like, you know, he's always in like perfect control of what he's doing, right? Uh, I think at some point he juggles something, right? Like, like in, in the show, I can picture in my head this idea that like something is falling and he catches it, right? Yep. Uh, you could have like a finesse mechanic of some kind, right? Yes, I'm doing some... I'm throwing tables at somebody, but I'm also catching the priceless vases before they hit the ground, right? So mm-hmm. using some skill or rolling some dice, you could say, okay, whether you succeed or not in, you know, not cracking open that Fabergé egg, right? Like, things like that. So As full of damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
the he 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 picks pockets too and he steals mm-hmm. a lot yep. and uh i think oftentimes you're juggling and stealing and pickpocketing uh generally gets summed up to like uh you know like a sleight of hand or some sort of dexterity, dexterity of some kind yeah um, which i mean but, it's an interesting one where he's a- actively getting strangled and rather than getting out of the strangle he hmm. opts to pickpocket which is uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> an interesting gambit and also probably just would a luck. player do that right i don't think so right there's there's no how do you the, communicate that to a player that, that's possible yeah yeah i it honestly it would probably if if i was thinking as a dm this would be straight up uh, uh he grapples you roll for you know roll for a contested strength roll and in this case uh mm. spike loses and you would you narrate Spike going unconscious, and you would give like one last action before he passes out, and then maybe the player character would say, uh, "Before before I fully pass out, can I pickpocket him real quick, or can I grab something off of him?" And like that, <laughs> it is a little bit of a extreme set of uh, actions. But it's not necessarily, like, the most outlandish thing. It's not like a, I cast Fireball right in front of me. Like, <laughs> I, I pull I the pin in the grenade that he was carrying. It's like, it's like no, that's not okay. <laughs> well, one thing I've been, I've been thinking about and having an eye out in, mm-hmm. in Cowboy Bebop is, you know, I, th- I think, like, a lot of the... I was trying to figure out how, how can were the the musical kind of jazz influences, and mm. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, you know it's it's improv. Um, yep. So you know you're saying what's your last act? You know what's your uh, what's your quick improv? What's your uh, you know what's your uh, what's your final jazz move? You know or whatever, and you know <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what it is. Something I mean, like... some games have a system. Um, one of my one of my um, one of my uh, fond uh, sci-fi. Uh, RPGs has a has a system called uh, Moxie, and um, Moxie. Yeah, and you can have uh, you can be bad at everything, but pump up your Moxie, and basically it's 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 kind of like a wild card. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I think something like this can can fall fall into the same uh, you know same scheme. You know, some some ability. I think Spike is shown to be very good at it. You know, how how mm-hmm. well can you improvise if you're not particularly good at whatever you're up against? Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's not quite as random as luck or charisma necessarily. It's more of a. <laughs> it's like a com- combination of intelligence and wisdom and dexterity. It's clutch, right? Like it's yeah. this idea yep. that yep. oh, exactly. Like how how good am I? The buzz, you know, the clock is counting down. Uh, how how do I get the shot off? Right? Like yep. like can I? That's a sports metaphor, which is weird for me. But you know, the, the the idea that that yeah, ne- like the pressure is on, and when the pressure is higher, if your moxie is high, you do better. Right? You do better as the pressure builds. Right? Yeah. Conversely, I think you know characters who are better, you know, in less pressure-inducing yeah, situations, you know, mm. may may not be able to do well under higher pressure situations. Like we haven't seen right. Spike. Excuse me. We haven't seen Jet very much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but yep. you know, maybe he's very apt at you know some some activities. But you know, if he's being stranger, strangle held, and he's done otherwise, he he might not have been able right. to pickpock pickpocket that. Uh, what was it? A vial? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the red eye, the drugs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it's interesting Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, we don't really see too much of Jet in this episode. But the of the few things we do see him... Uh, so the, the things that he does for this bounty is gather information, right? So he uh, goes to the police and talks to his police contact, you know, because he's a former cop as well, right? Part of his backstory, right? He, uh, he goes to the cops, finds more information, and then when he meets up with Spike again, he's like, well, this is what I learned, this is what I know, right? And, like, he's the planner. Like, he's clearly the one that's like, oh, this, I, I've got connections, and I'm prepared, and I plan, right? Uh, we do see him fight, or a little bit of a fight. Not really. He intimidates some guys, right, as they walk into the bar. Uh, and he does show up with the ship later, right? But but that's it for him. That's, that's his entire engagement. Uh, I mean, again, as a as an introductory episode, like I, I think the, the clear goal is to kind of build the world and build Spike, who is, you know... Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, are the close the the main pr- character, the protagonist. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's you can definitely make quite a few inferences on Jet's character uh, throughout the show. You know, is it minor, you know between his his cooking and you know being the more pragmatic one and a bit more of the you know traditional kind of almost paladin character. The uh, we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta do this job. We gotta you know we gotta be serious. Whereas again. Spike always comes off as a little bit more roguish, a little bit more uh, free-willed. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we go through, and we will eventually, as uh, viewers, will see more of their, you know, not just their archetypal uh, reactions, but more just who they are as people um, throughout mm-hmm. the, the show. It's clear, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very clear that Spike uh, can't succeed without Jet and vice versa. Right. I, I think one of the things, so it, when Jet is, so there are a couple of lines in this episode that are, del- I, I love the dub. I, I, I'm pretty sure you guys are listening to the dub also, not the, not the sub version, probably. Yeah, it's one of the few that I will listen to the dub, yes. Right, yeah. So So one of the things I noted in this episode, at least, that there are a couple of lines that are really, are dubbed very poorly, are actually bad because they the intention seems strange uh one of the ones i noticed was um uh the way jet explains that the money is gone uh, he says something like killed the dough and he says it in such a strange way but it also it, it, the, the reason i bring it up is because he's so mad about that like he's very upset with spike about you know the bounty not going you know the bounty ending up basically being a net negative for them right the last mission the one we didn't see but he still works with Spike, right? He's not willing to go off on his own still, even after that. And even after this one, right? Even this one fails too. They make no money here. Uh, but, you know, it's still bell, bell peppers and beef at the end, right? Like it's still, we're still a crew at the end of this. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting too. Like, you know, they didn't make any money two missions in a row. So what does the, does that, you know, what does that inform from a, uh, RPG arc perspective, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going from one place to another, like is, you know, maybe maybe that suggests that you know bottoming out means that you're you're bottomed out. It doesn't mean all right, roll new characters. It's time to pick a new <laughs> ship name. It's a hey, like <laughs> you know, you know, even even if it's something like oh yeah, y'all go to prison for f- 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 five years, space robbers, 
<laughs> but like you're not you're not done you just time skip five years unless you want to do a prison arc but you know i don't know right <laughs> um but yeah so like th- there is that bottomed out point that you know mm-hmm. you have no resources and you know very you know we talk about you mentioned D before like yeah you get to a point where you know well the the price of gold in that game is you know <laughs> weird yeah, um, it's meaningless. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh in a situation like bebop like you could be you could be rolling but if you make a big mistake you could bottom out yep and yep. then you'll have to start over from something else so so maybe there's another there's another piece here maybe there's another resource um you know we talk about uh wulongs as your you know day-to-day mm-hmm. you gotta gotta get that gotta get that beef but um there's also like a prestige or a reputation you know right. why are they yeah. going after small fries like why even right, bother? yeah if if you know? uh if jet has connections with the police how come they don't get a better selection of bounties right how come they're still um dependent on you know big shot right big shot yeah. tells them here's the bounties and they have to go after those right like it's they do they yeah i mean i, I think that's an important one gaining I, i've always been fascinated by that in D D. the idea of like i think rogues have this most is like hey what are your criminal connections right what what is your thieves can't actually there's thieves can't in this right there there are uh when uh when asimov is talking to the bartender and mm-hmm. even later when uh, he's talking to spike right mm-hmm. spike's in the poncho you know, they have this like code phrase of like, you know, I'm selling Bloody Marys or are you, do you have any beer or something like that? Right. Like mm. they have a, a code, <laughs> right? some sort of some way of indicating, yes, I am selling. I am I am one of you. Right. Uh, I've always been fascinated by and I've never really used it. Like the idea of like, oh, these are my guild connections in D&D. Right. These are my outside contacts. Like these are. I think, uh, Michael, in that game that you ran for us like a year ago, there's oh, more than a year ago now, pre-pandemic, right? I was obsessed with writing letters to important noblemen. <laughs> Just because oh, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> some some systems codify this, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. D&D a lot of times just becomes, you know, and a, a lot of maybe some say, oh, well, actually, I guess Adventure League has does this a little bit better because mm. if you do that, they actually have factions with uh, there. There is a very complicated yeah. faction ranking system in yeah, uh, the Harpers and, uh, and yeah. the yeah. yeah they're, they're, yeah. they're they get pretty involved, but um, in some systems they have uh, social currencies. So um, mm. especially in um, um, uh, science fiction uh, uh, mm. futuristic games. Um, corporations right usually i think in in like a cyberpunky kind of game like you're it, yeah. standing in a corporation or yeah there you know there's your corporation sometimes you'll see it too in uh you know kind of these future societies that don't accept money at all and only accept social mm-hmm. currency but certainly you can play on that you know we're talking about reputation you know maybe mm-hmm. uh, in this episode there were i think there were there were probably like three different groups at least. Um, never mind the you know the, the the mercenaries, bounty hunters. There were you know there was the police, there was the yep. the, the, syndicate. the syndicate. There was yep. um, you could probably even say like um, uh, I I'm going to take a I don't I don't remember the world as much. I'm going to take a leap and say <laughs> there's like an asteroid or kind of like a homesteaders group or something. Probably um, yeah yeah. Some like some, those those some three those three group. old guys. 
right? Or probably <laughs> like they're we'll they're like the Shriners of this universe, right? Like, <laughs> you know, but you know, you, you, maybe you do something and you get you know uh, a negative. Maybe you blow your whole uh, uh, bounty on you know, property damage, but you make the syndicate really happy. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll give you a job, yep. and it'll have a different flavor, and it'll bring your group down a different path. Oh no, perhaps not the one that the players intended, but hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I Maybe think you do uh, all the property anyway. damage, <laughs> right? Just, just, just destroy it all, and now you're working for like a land developer that's bu- buying up all this cheap <laughs> land. <laughs> you right. just ruined this landscape, and it's great. Yeah, I think I did watch ahead a little bit in the last couple of weeks, so I do know. In between this episode and the next one, they make money, but we don't see them make the money. They they just come back into the next episode with money, <laughs> which is something that you could also, as a DM, right? You could say, "Hey, like you guys really screwed up that last mission, but in between, you've scrounged up enough funds to do this, right? Like <laughs> you, or like you, you've." figured out a way or like you know it could even be like a simple like hey roll for something and something in your backstory has helped out right your your uncle died and it has allowed you this inheritance right yeah. of enough money to fuel the ship for another week <laughs> there there are ways that to to codify downtime you know mm-hmm. and you know uh, you know if we're talking we haven't really talked about it yet but if we start talking about like character and creating characters you know Part of uh, you know, part of building that character is you know, what do you do in your downtime? Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting on a ship for, you're sitting in weeks. a, a weeks, sitting yeah. in a waiting for a job for months. What do you do? Yeah. You know, we I think I think it makes sense from a game perspective to focus on the flashpoints, um, mm-hmm. but you know those those middle times happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. In in, I'm trying to think. Like in the show itself, like, do we we don't have a ton of downtime, right? I, 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 or at least, so again, you know, I've only seen a couple episodes now, and I can't remember too much of like in between time. Like, I don't, I don't remember time skipping much, right? Like everything kind of happens almost like like each episode is a week apart, essentially, right? Like nothing happens in between. Yeah, they're certainly I'm not, not sure. yeah. looking for. They're certainly not sitting around on Tijuana. Like they go to Tijuana right. with the job. Mm. Yeah, and uh, there, are, if I remember correctly, there are several episodes where they are either bored or they're uh, they they have too much <laughs> downtime, if you will. One of the things I wanted to talk about too in this episode is a little bit of like what we think combat might be like just a little bit like the only thing I can think of in this uh, is that we've, you know, it's, it's fluid, it's fast and it's very like tied to that music. Right. Mm -hmm. And and like that idea that, and you know, there's probably something we should think about for future episodes or whenever we see more combat focused kind of scenes. uh, but like this idea that I, I really want to find some way to tie the music and the combat system. Like that, I think that's something I want to start thinking about. Like, how do we set a tempo for combat? Right? Not necessarily like a real time system, but like 
something that I, that at least has a spirit of jazz, yeah. you know. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I like that a lot conceptually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very much a. I would prefer something quick, something snappy, something action packed. Like, mm. and I mean, let's face it, you know, despite Spike's, you know, nearly super supernatural luck, like, yeah, everything in this story is. Uh, basically one bullet and you're dead. Like, you're, this is not a, <laughs> this is not a D&D, uh, you know, four plus rounds of combat here, where, you know, so. <laughs> Which even then is only like a minute of time, right? <laughs> not even, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, again, the, the, the combat rules are always, um, a little bizarre if you think about them too long. Yeah. Mm. They don't talk about in this in this episode. They they don't they don't focus like it, violence is a focus, but they don't talk about mm-hmm. the method of the violence at all. Like they just have no, guns. Yeah. They do hand to hand combat. There's no mm-hmm. I do it in this special fancy Naruto way. Mm-hmm. There's no I'm using this <laughs> fancy gun with a special bullet. It's just they just do the gun. <laughs> Although, yep. to be fair, uh, Asimov did have, like, super reflexes after getting high. So, that's uh, the drugs, yeah. <laughs> drugs, baby. <laughs> uh, this is funny. It's like, I don't know if we use drugs ever again in the series. I can't think of it. But oh, no. the fact that in this episode that he uses drugs and it enhances his combat performance means that that has to exist in this world. <laughs> I think that is something that, like, yeah, this this helps you move quicker but probably has a downside right has the hangover we should probably start wrapping this up the uh the main thing today is our structure right like this is our archetypical adventure this is our one shot this is our introduction to the world the idea that we would start with like a simple job a simple character that is your bounty somebody that you have to hunt probably some sort of fact-finding, some sort of information gathering, right? Some either, you know, again, in Spike's case, he goes to, uh, I forgot his name already, but uh, the, the Native American man or Laughing Spike or, or the, the shaman of yeah. Wakantanka. Wakantanka. Yeah. I had to look that up. <laughs> like, oh, that's a real thing <laughs> that exists. Uh, so either, either, yeah, we, we guide for the help of Wakantanka or we talk to the police, right? Those are equivalent things in this universe, apparently. You know, you gather that information and then you, in this case, so what, what did Spike do? Spike went out there and just started gathering more information by direct confrontation, right? By, by actually finding them and then setting up a new plan, right? From that point on, he set up some sort of buy, a fake job for Asimov. And then that spirals out of control, right? I guess that that's the, well, that's the fourth phase here. It's like, well, your plan is put into motion and it does not go as planned. And here's a whole bunch of property damage. <laughs> I actually I actually gave names to these. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Oh I yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that the structure that you wrote was the same as that I wrote. So <laughs> I it's sort of like there, I I have five phases. I have the you know, okay. the, brie- the briefing, um, mm-hmm. the hunt, and then I have the twists, um, mm-hmm. which you could also say uh, uh, the the initial action, but I think mm-hmm. it's the clue, clues gathering. Um, the score is your direct confrontation. The score, yeah. And then uh, that's and that's your that's your climax. Um, and then it follows up with uh, what we haven't talked about yet: the reckoning. What's your property? The reckoning, damage? yeah. I was gonna say debrief, yeah. <laughs> the reckoning, yeah. 
Oh, I love that. You get the bounty. You get the bounty. How'd it go? What's Mm -hmm. the, you know, what's the, we talked a little bit about social. What's the social outcome? Where do you go from here? Yeah. And what, what does this set up? Right. What does this mean for your characters? Right. What does this mean for like, if this is a one shot, we don't care that much, but if it's expanding into, if this is the first of your long campaign, right. Then yeah, I care. Like what, what did Spike learn? Right. What did, what did, what is Jet getting, taking away from this? Like in this case, like specifically Jet learns like, yes, we, we failed this bounty again. That's two in a row, but I'm still sticking with this guy. Right. Like it still worked out enough that you know, we're still hunting together. <laughs> and maybe if you didn't make any money uh, or make mm-hmm. any social uh, strides, maybe there was some character development. Yeah. Maybe there yeah. was some crew cohesion mechanic that I'm making up benefit mm. or, or, or collective Maybe purpose. Maybe we scrap the ship and start over. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of those things that uh, you technically need to have some sort of reward and that whether it's the the just straight money or if it, you know, in, in your case, you mentioned the cohesiveness to like maybe the preparedness of the group. It, it's hard not to reward your players something, at least tangible. Unless your unless your unless your players are incredible RPers, uh, presents are always better, right? <laughs> yeah, gotta keep them coming back, and then next episode they play with their new toys. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what the level up is for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out. Thanks for ta- chatting. We'll be back next week where we talk about session two. I should have looked up what the name of session two is. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Stray Hold dog strut. <laughs> stray dog strut. Ooh, I love stray dog strut. This is a good episode. I'm gonna say that every week, but I do love stray dog strut. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen out for us. The plan is to release these weekly. So uh, wherever we put this, we'll we'll be back again next week. If you have any comments, questions, want to reach out to us, want to tell us you hate our guts, we're on Twitter at Bebop Tabletop, and uh, I'm also available at on Twitch.tv/WooFireGotPower. We Stream Dungeons and Dragons approximately once a week, depending on our schedule, and other games and stuff on there too. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Have a good week. Bye-bye. See you later, Space Cowboys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've got questions, suggestions, or if you're starting your own Bebop Tabletop session, you can reach us on Twitter, at Bebop Tabletop. <laughs>